Lainey listeners, a filthy, dirty Christmas is love. <laughs> Forget sugar and spice and everything nice. This year, we want to show off our naughty side. Taboo, dangerous, and over the top, we're bringing you everything you were too scared to ask Santa for. Don't worry, loves. These are still packed with the heroes you crave and the HEAs you deserve. The entire series is out now with 25 authors, including Hope Ford, Frankie Love, Anias Johnson, Jenna Rose, and more. There's 25 of them. Go grab it now. A Filthy Dirty Christmas. You won't be disappointed. There's something for everybody. Welcome back to another week of Read Me Romance. Hey, lady listeners. Welcome back. We have got a special treat for you. We've got Jagger Cole in the Bratva's hostage. I'm super excited. He's probably listening to this right now. It kind of makes me nervous. (laughs) Because he was like, yeah. You know, I asked him beforehand. I was like, we're going to record for your episode. You know, do you have anything planned? Do you have new releases? He was like, I've got a lot planned for my week on Read Me Romance. And he does. He's always got a lot of stuff going on, it seems like. Oh, my God. If he is a new-to-you author and you like this, just brace yourselves because his backlist is incredible. It's like an Alexa Riley backlist. It is. Like, there's hundreds of books, I guess. Like, I I wouldn't even begin to count how many he's got. He's probably been like, these bitches took, like, three years to ask me to be on this podcast. (laughs) It took us a long time to just be like... Can we can we let a guy on here? Because we don't let dudes in headquarters. Like we this don't. is a, this is a big deal. So yeah, and it's hard because you know, in especially in the romance world, and we talked about this last week. You know, normally if you're getting approached by a man in this genre, there's an ulterior motive or they're creepy, and you know, I think. If you talk to a romance author and a woman in this industry, there's every single woman has a story about a man in this, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm that's, probably actually the creepy one because then when we was talking about inviting yep. him on, I like went to his Facebook and was like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy like texted, I was like, Oh, he always talks about his wife and his kids. This is I cute. Know, this really is adorable. Nice. <laughs> I know. And you kind of get to know him that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, once we got to know him, it was like, oh, he's not creepy at all. He's actually really cool. He seems like a nice guy. <laughs> so, yeah, there have been um, some men that have gotten into this industry as a gateway to get to women or to have maybe their ego stroked by women or You know, there are several male authors who have been in those situations. So it's nice to meet someone. It's refreshing to meet someone who actually cares about the romance community, supports the women in the industry, and does his best to, like, you know, be contribute to it, to the betterment of it. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm really, I'm really excited about that. And I appreciate that. And we're just so happy to have you here. I think it's hard to write as a man in the romance industry. I mean, if you really, truly want to do it, it's a passion. Yeah. I yeah. Would, it would seem a little scary, intimidating. I would, I think, would be. Actually. Yeah. I think it would be like being a woman getting into a, a male dominated industry like that and having to fight your way in. And I'm sure the sexism that goes along with it is both ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
because we kind of did it. I mean, we yeah. were like, well, you assume, yeah. yeah, especially this is something that, you know, that we're both so protective of. This is something that you assume that, you know, someone's trying to be malicious when it's not that way at all. So, yeah. well, we're going to talk about um, his books and all his giveaways and everything else we've got going on in just a few minutes. We're going to catch up a little bit before then. Um, I saw this thing on TikTok the other day and it's a little bit controversial, but I want to ask you about it. So there was a woman on it and she was in a video and she said it was like somebody told her she had to shave before she went to the beach. And she was like, I don't give a fuck. And she's wearing a one piece, but like she's obviously got pubic hair showing. She's got underarm hair, leg hair showing, and she's down on the beach living her life. And the woman that was in the video that was like showing the pictures and stuff, she said, we as women are conditioned to shave our bodies to not show pubic hair. And then if we do shade this and then we have like razor bumps or, you know, ingrown hairs, we're ridiculed for that as well. So she's like, we, it's like, we can't catch a break. And so I just thought I have actually seen, you know, like pubic hair on women at the beach before out of their bathing suit, like hanging out. And it bothers me a lot, but watching that video made me question that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I never, like, I was just like, oh, that's gross. Like, I don't want to see pubic hair. I think it's because I find, I think of pubic hair and I think it's going to be dirty. Yes. Not that it's like, I just think pubic hair is dirty. Like, unhygienic? Yeah. I think I just attribute the two to the same. Yeah. But I don't know. I shave my armpits, but I think think it's because of the smell as well. I don't shave my legs. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think, for me personally, it's something to do with smell. I'm like, it's going to smell. Where I know my yeah. legs aren't going to smell. But I'm like, the yeah. armpits are going to smell. My crotch is going to smell. Got to yeah. get rid of the hair. I know. And, like, I personally, I, 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 like, definitely shave. But I just never considered it to the point where it's like, why am I so grossed out by seeing a woman's, like, armpit hair? I mean, I'm not really grossed out by that as much as, like, pubic hair. But... Oh, I'm just grossed out by both sex pubic hair. Yeah, I guess that's a fair assessment, too. I wouldn't want to see it on a man. But at the same time, it's just hair. It is just hair. You know? And it's like, I I don't know. Like, I don't want to go to a beach and see somebody's pubic hair. But at the same time, why am I, why do I have that reaction to it? Why can't I just be like, when it's I said think Let about it, I'm like, I don't care how you keep a cow. That's what you want to do. Like when I rationally think about oh, no, no. it. I know when I rationally think about it, but when I see it, there is immediate judgment in my mind where I'm like, do they not own a razor? Why are they not shaving their bush? You know what I mean? Like that's what I, there is immediate judgment in my mind. And I didn't realize that that's kind of fucked up. You yeah. know, until she, like, made this. I should, like, definitely credit this person on TikTok. Hold on. I'm going to pull up TikTok, and I'm going to credit her. Hold on. There's probably going to be some stupid-ass fucking thing that's, like, screaming. The second when you I, click no. it open? <laughs> no, it's BB Easton. It's okay. <laughs> She's cool. All right. So, I want to make sure. Okay. Her name is C-H-R-Y-S-T-H-E-A-U-T-H-R. So, Krista Author. C-H-R-Y, Chris, C-H-R-Y-S, the author. So she's got 1.3 million followers. So, but she is a young black woman that is a lesbian. And she's, she made this other video afterwards that I watched 
where she said, what are you first, a lesbian, a black person, or a woman? Which one are you first? A woman. And then she, that's, I, that's what she said. She was like, my knee-jerk reaction is a woman. Mm-hmm. She was like, but she went on to say, like, I can't be just one of those because all three are, are rolled into it. She was like, I lose my identity if I take, you know, one of those things away. She was like, you know, because I'm always going to be black and I'm always going to be a woman. And she was like, but I'll always prefer the sex, too. So, you know, that, that it was that was an interesting conversation. So if you need somebody to follow on, let me tell you, she is way enlightened on this on TikTok. I, like, I was watching like following her, like, people that make me think. Like, yeah. Yeah. She, like, oh, yeah. She pushed the envelope over in my lap and was like, open it up, bitch. Like, <laughs> like Take a look at yourself. And so that kind of really, like, opened my eyes. I'm going to make a promise to myself this summer at the beach. I'm not going to judge if I see some people here. <laughs> I know. It's so random. But I had that on there. And I was like, I just wanted to get a reaction to that and see what you thought. I'm leaving this Thursday to go to Universal with my whole family. I'm really excited about it. Um, we all went together to Disney in April and it was amazing. It was the first time we had all been together in like over a year. And so, um, right away after we got back home, my parents were like, all right, where are we going next time? Like they were just ready to plan another trip. So, and I'm very fortunate and the older I get and the more friends I talk to, the more I realize how fortunate I am that my siblings and my parents and I, we all get along. Yeah. And so, like, especially the sibling thing, because, like, most of my friends are, like, they have a really hard time with their siblings. Yeah, I, I love mine so much. We have a blast when we're together. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we don't we don't all live close to each other, so we really value the time that we have yeah. when we are together. So, but yeah, we're all, all pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, we're all pretty normal, but, you know, we don't, we're not, but also I do think one of the best decisions that my brother and I ever made was to move away from home, like move out of state, you know, when we got old enough, like, you know, we both got married and we both left. I think that was one of the best decisions we made to just get the fuck out of town, you know, away from the people that we grew up around. But also it really does make the heart grow fonder. Like with, you know, seeing my parents, I'm always happy to see them. Like I don't ever dread going to see them or them coming up here or us hanging out together. The same with my siblings. Like if one of them called me tomorrow and is like, do you want to go on a trip? Yes. The answer is yes. hundred (laughs) percent. So, I mean, there's 16 of us that are going down. And so we're flying down on Thursday and come back Sunday. It's a really quick trip. So we're just doing two days at Universal in the park, but I've like, we're on the family group chat. I'm like, y'all bitches better be ready. Like, that's all I'm saying. Nobody can move to a park like Mm-mm. you can. I swear no, to God. I'm telling you. Like, it's like some, it's like I'm possessed by it's skinny. It's crazy. He- I'm, I'm possessed by a healthy person when I go to a theme park. You are, because I can like, well, not lately, but normally I can walk a ton. Like, I do the treadmill and mm-hmm. stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I'll see you moving on my watch and I'm like, I would be dead. <laughs> And I, like, feel like I train for this on a daily basis. I'm like, uh-huh. I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's like I go from sloth to just Boston Marathon <laughs> in a day. I don't know what it is. I, it's just the excitement, you know. And I get so excited and I'm so happy. It's definitely my happy place, whatever you want to call it. But 
I know these parks like the back of my hand. I love Universal. So it's a good one. It's the best. And I, I was really very, very fortunate. I was in a very fortunate position to where I was able to take my nieces and my nephew individually to Universal. And so I took my oldest niece first when she turned 11. And then because that's how old Harry Potter is when he goes to Hogwarts. And then I took my nephew next when he turned 11. And I just took my niece in October. She was the last one. And so it was bittersweet, but I've never been with all of them together. So this is going to be fucking epic because they all love coasters. They all love the parks. And we'd all go to Disney and it's fun. But, you know, Disney is for, I think it's for big kids. Yeah. Yeah. Big kids and, you know, adult kids at heart still and younger kids. You know, if you're kind of a tween teen, you know, and you want coasters, Disney doesn't really have a ton to offer in that. Um, they have great food and shows, and I loved it. It was an awesome time. But if you're going for thrill rides, Universal is the place to be. Is LB so. going with you guys? Oh, yeah. LB yep. does the theme song for Yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah, for Read Me Romance. Read, read me romance. Yep, she's coming on down. She's she's flying out of Nashville, Nashville. And then my brother and his family are flying out of Asheville, and I'm flying out of Charlotte. So we're all going to di- from different airports, but we're all meeting at the same time. And we didn't even plan it. That's we were nice. like, what's our time? Is everybody getting in? And we like all set our times. And we're like, oh, shit, we're all flying in within like 30 minutes of each other. I want to get back to family vacations. I tried to do one with my dad last year. And he's like, not yet. No, no, no. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it was it was really tough. because I mean, we went in April when we went to Disney. And it was still like they had low crowds, mass mandates everywhere. So they were really, really strict about it in, in Disney, which, I mean, rightfully so. It was still really crowded, even with the crowd control. But this trip coming up in Universal, I mean, I was excited this time because we used, you know, we used my friend Carrie. Um, she's with the Magical Adventures by Carrie. I've talked about her before. Mm-hmm. She does all our travel stuff. And so my mom literally just, like, messaged her and was like, hey, can you book us for this weekend to go to Universal for all 16 of us? And she had all her info from last time. She's like, yep, I got you down. And it was, like, <laughs> that easy. It. it was amazing. So, but we're all going down and we're staying at, like, this, you know, the hotel there and everything that's there. But she's got us all, like, together and stuff. And I don't know. It's just, it's easy being able to ask her to do that. But it's also super fun that, I don't know, we're all just going to get to be together. It'll be great. I'm that. really looking forward to it. Yeah. It'll be nice to have a, a break as well. So, especially after, you know, my busy Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh I my love God. that. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Jagger Cole. So, the book you're going to listen to today is called The Bratva's Hostage. And I'm going to read you the book bio for them. Taking her was only the beginning. A hit gone wrong. My partner, the future king of the, I know I'm going to say this wrong, Jagger. Is it Kashin? I don't know, Kashinko, Bratva, bleeding out. There's only one choice left for me. Kidnap the daughter of the rival ma boss and take her as my hostage. Now she's my tempting, my temptingly innocent, beautifully forbidden bargaining chip. Talia is a pretty little bird trapped all her life in a gilded cage. Too good for me, too young for me too. A softness I've never touched, a sweetness I've never tasted. We're trapped together and time is running out. But the solution might just be as forbidden as she is. This extra steamy novella is a standalone prequel to the Bratva Claim series. Absolutely no cheating, no cliffhanger, and a happily ever after. I love it. 
Um, let's see. Oh, um, let's read Jagger Cole's book bio. It says, or his author bio. A reader first and foremost, Jagger Cole cut his romance writing teeth, penning various fan fiction stories years ago. After deciding to hang up his writing boots, Jagger worked in advertising to pre- pretending to be Don Draper. It worked enough to convince a woman way out of his league to marry him, though, which is a total win. Now, that. dad of two little princesses and king to a queen, Jagger is thrilled to be back at the keyboard. When not writing or reading romance books, he can be found woodworking, enjoying good whiskey, and grilling outside rain or shine. You can find all of his books at jaggercolewrites.com. God, book bio made me like him even more. I know. It was great, right? So, Jagger's got some great releases out right now. Um, Capturing Christmas, released last week, is part of the Filthy Dirty Christmas multi-author series. Um, It's 99 cents in Live and KU right now. Go grab it. Um, Brutal King is $2.99 in KU. Um, that's out right now. That's his newest release, um, as we record this. So it's the 1st of December, but it's out now and you can go grab that one. And let's see the giveaway this week that he's doing. He's doing ebook copies of all three in the Savage Air series. And in addition to it, he's giving away three signed paperbacks as well. So I'll put all the links to everything in the show notes and stuff. Yep. Make sure you click on the show notes and do all that good stuff. So. All right, well, let's send them in. Let's do it. We'll see you guys on the other side. The Good Guy Box Set by Jamie Schlosser. Trucker, dancer, dropout, and a trucker wedding. Get the first three standalone novels in the Good Guy series, plus an all-new short story, A Trucker Wedding. Grab the Good Guy Box Set now in Kindle Unlimited in one click. We love Jamie, and you're going to love these books. Just go get it. The Bratfuss Hostage. Written by Jagger Cole. Narrated by Jarman Day. Chapter 1 Roman The sheet glass window behind us explodes in a shower of shards. A hail of bullets ding and bang off the construction equipment we're ducked behind and kick up dirt by my feet. I hiss, gritting my teeth as my tattooed fingers curl tightly around the gun in my hand. Next to me, Victor groans as he slides a fresh mag into his gun. But when I glance at him, my eyes narrow in concern. He's prepping for another firefight, but he's in bad shape. He's trying to hide it from me, or maybe that's just Victor, always muscling through the pain to fight on. But he's not looking good. He's pale, and the blood soaking the front of his shirt from the shot to the gut is dripping all over the place. I turn to poke my head around the side of the earth mover to see how close Gio Marchetti and his goons are, but I barely get my nose around the corner before I wince and pull back. Bullets pepper the metal, exploding shards of rust and sparks past my face. We're trapped. Shit has gone way wrong. This was supposed to be an easy kill. Gio Marchetti, head of the Marchetti family, has been waging a secret war on the Kashenko Bratva. Sabotaging our shipments, picking off our guys when they can, and generally being a thorn in the side of a rising empire. But that was supposed to stop tonight. That's why Victor and I, both top Aftori Tet in the Kashenko organization, are here. We're at the base of the new Skyrise luxury building Geo's the principal investor in. The bottom 39 floors are still under major construction, most without windows even. 
but the very top was finished months ago, at Geo's request. That's his fortress penthouse, a top-of-the-line security, ultra-secure Fort Knox at the top of his new building. But the intel from one of our spies told us he was short security tonight for his nightly drop-off. And since there's only one working elevator in the gutted, unfinished lobby of the building, it's an easy choke point. Until we realized the intel was wrong. Very wrong. In fact, I'm relatively sure we just got set up. Hard. Geo wasn't light on security. He had four times the usual crew when Vic and I popped out to take him out. Victor caught one in the side of the stomach, and now we're pinned behind this earth mover, caught between it and the elevator to the penthouse, which only opens with the right code. Geo and about 40 of his guys are between us and getting the fuck out of here. In short, we're fucked. I whip my head to the side and spot a pile of support beams across the construction site. It's maybe 15 feet away. It's not ideal, but it's a start. It's more cover than the fucking truck we're behind, that's for sure. I turn back to Victor, but he's already nodding, seeing where I've been looking. Think you can make it? His eyes narrow. Yeah. But when he goes to stand, he hisses, and his feet give out. Fresh blood soaks his shirt and the hand he's got clamped to it. Shit. I'm gonna carry you. Fuck off, just get there yourself. I'll be fine, right? Damn it, Roman. I ignore his bullshit and grab him. I know it probably hurts like a motherfucker, but I toss him over my shoulder and turn. I bolt from behind the truck, but instantly, I know this is a shitty idea. Bullets whiz past us, kicking up dust and more sparks as they rattle off iron bars. Fuck it. With a heave of my shoulders, I hurl Victor across the rest of the divide until he's behind the stack of beams. He groans in pain as I whirl to dive back behind the truck, but suddenly I hiss at the burn across my back. Fuck me. I think I just caught some lead. Back behind the truck, I glance across the divide at my friend. He's looking even worse. I grip my teeth, my mind hammering out the outcomes as I figure out the next move. And then suddenly... The elevator behind me dings as the doors slide open. Hey, what's going? Oh my god! I whirl just as the doors open, and suddenly I'm face to face with an angel. She's beautiful. And not just pretty, I mean the single most beautiful thing I've ever laid eyes on. Blonde, big blue eyes, soft pink lips open in a shocked O shape. It stops me cold like putting the world on pause or slow motion. Bullets whiz past me like we're underwater. I can't get to Vic. There's no other way out. But something she said. Dad. She's staring at me, standing in front of her, looking, I'm sure, deranged with a gun in my hand. But when she looks past me, I follow her gaze. Dad. She chokes. She's staring at Geo. And suddenly it clicks into place. Holy fuck. She's Geo's daughter. And she's standing in the elevator that only opens with a key code. My only escape right now. I turn to look at Vic, but he's gritting his teeth and nodding. Go! He roars at me. I start to shake my head when he levels his gun at me. Get your ass in there, Roman! He snarls. Now! 
Bullets spray the wall next to me, making me hiss and making the girl scream in terror. But there's no more time for hashing this out or planning. It's time to move. I rush her hard, grabbing her, whirling, and bringing the gun up to her head. The second I do that, I hate myself. More than any of the many, many bad things I've done in my life. For some reason, putting the possibility of harm to this angel's head makes me sick. But just then, ten or so of Geo's men rush around the side of the truck I was just behind. They all raise their guns, but they freeze when they realize I've got her. My hostage. My pulse thunders in my ear as I drag her back into the elevator. Geo comes bolting around the truck, too. His eyes bulge as he sees who I have. You motherfucker! He screeches. Let her! He stays alive! I roar, nodding my chin towards Victor. I don't have to finish the sentence or the threat. They know what I mean. I kick a foot out and slam the door close button. I glare at Geo and slowly bring my gaze to Vic as the doors close. They shut with a click, and then it's just the reflection of her in my arms. I tense. She smells so fucking good. She's so soft and warm. She's so good and innocent, and it's breaking me. Please, she sobs. Please don't hurt. What's your name, Sonishka? I murmur as I reach over and punch the button for the penthouse. What's your name, Sunshine? She trembles. I'm not going to hurt you, I say quietly, but my arm stays tight wrapped around her. What's your name? Talia, she quivers. Please, please don't hurt. I'm not going to hurt you, Talia, I growl. I turn her, and before I know what I'm doing, I'm dropping to a knee in front of her, pushing the gun into the waist of my jeans and taking her hands in mine. The elevator rises as I look into her big blue eyes. I'm never going to hurt you. Chapter 2 Talia I drum my fingers across the counter of the kitchen island. It's quiet in the huge, glamorous apartment. And I'm alone, which is always heaven. But at the same time, I can't shake the cloud hanging heavy and dark over me. He's really doing it. I've wondered if my strict, controlling, old-school father would ever get to this point. I've always hoped I was wrong or tried to tell myself this isn't the Middle Ages. No one does forced, arranged marriages to seal business deals anymore. No one except my father, Gio Marchetti, that is. I'm used to the control and the bars. This penthouse above the unfinished building might be new, but I've spent my whole life in towers just like it, in gilded cages with hardly any contact with the outside world, barely any friends, and even those are the ones my dad approved of. And as for boys, huh, now that I'm 18, it's not even a joke anymore. It's just a bitter punchline. I pull up the Google search again on my phone. My body stiffens as I start to read up again on the man I'll be marrying in a week, the person I don't even know who I'll be tied to for the rest of my life. His name is Chris Amato, the son of a crooked, mob-connected shipping bearer named Alfredo Amato, and by all accounts, both father and son are monsters. Chris is all over the news, and none of it's good. His antics waving guns around at nightclubs, 
the numerous women with black eyes and horrible stories of abuse at his hands, all whom disappear with big payouts and no charges. My eyes land on the smirking picture of the red-faced Chris, cigar in his teeth and beer in his hand, posing with a bunch of strippers for an Instagram shot. Yeah, my future husband right here. Well, or not. Things were moving right along to arranged marriage land until earlier today. Apparently my dad says Alfredo is backing out or having second thoughts about the deal. Of course, dad also blamed me for that, for whatever reason. I groan and sink my forehead to the counter. I honestly can't even care about any of this anymore. It's exhausting when no part of your life or your fate is your own to control. With a sigh, I reach for my phone. I text my friend Fiona, who might be the one person on earth who at least sort of gets how regimented my life is. Her dad is a politician, not a mob boss, but he also keeps her locked up tight, controlling a lot of her life. We know each other because we share the same tutor, and we've lamented on the life of a bird in a cage to each other many times. But even Fiona doesn't have it this bad. Her dad might be tough, but he's not the monster I know my father is. I know about his business. But worse, I know about his new business interests, the one that involves trafficking young women. I blanch. Even thinking about the phone call of his confirming it that I walked in on a few weeks ago makes me sick. So, no, Fiona might understand the life I lead, but she doesn't have the darkness in hers that I have in mine. And she's not being married off to some psychopath who's watched Goodfellas one too many times. It's official, my dad just told me. Prepare to be friends with Mrs. Chris Omato. Shoot me. But there's no response. I stare at the message, waiting for at least the red notification, but nothing. I sigh and slump down on the bar stool, but then I hear the sounds of banging outside down below. I frown. It's a little late for them to be doing construction, isn't it? Sliding off the stool, I walk across the huge living room area to the wall of 14-foot windows overlooking Chicago. I press my face to the glass and look down. I can barely make it out, but I see the flashes and sparks of what must be welding. The banging sound comes again, like rapid popping sounds. I groan. Great. Construction at ten at night. But then I frown. No, you know what? No. Today I've hit my breaking point. I'm not going to sit up here trying to block out the banging sound and the welding. I'm not my dad, but I am his daughter. And no one working on this building doesn't know what the Marchetti name means in this city. I stride to the elevator and punch the button. The doors slide open, I step in, and hammer in the ground floor. It's been so weird living in a building that isn't even remotely finished. I mean, the lobby literally has a gravel floor and no walls yet. But it's what my dad wanted, so here we are. The elevator drops down. The banging sound is deafeningly loud now. I frown. God, it almost sounds like gunfire. I take a breath and prepare to find the foreman to demand this crap stops for the night. The doors open. Hey, what's going... My body goes rigid. Oh my God. Men are roaring and screaming in pain. The thunderous sound of gunfire assaults my ears. I gasp as bullets whiz past me, slamming into the wall behind me as I choke on a scream. And then he whirls. 
the huge, hulking beast of a man whirls on me, and my heart skips. He's gorgeous. Dark hair, piercing, intense blue eyes, bulging shoulder muscles, and tattoo ink swirling across his forearms and neck from under his shirt. He's older, too, probably late thirties or early forties, with the slightest silver to the sides of his short hair. He's gorgeous, but also absolutely terrifying. He turns to me and his piercing eyes lock onto me. For a second, my eyes pull from him, past him, where I suddenly see my dad standing with a group of his men. Dad? The man in front of me tenses. His jaw grits as his eyes seem to burn fiercely at me. And then suddenly, he charges. I scream, but his huge hands grab me, spin me, yank my back hard against his huge, bulging body. It's like his muscles have muscles. He's just solid. He's rock hard all over. And it shouldn't thrill me like this. His huge arm circles my neck and I gasp, the metal of a gun barrel pressed to my head, and I go cold and stiff. Please, I whisper in a choke. My father and his men rush around the side of a construction vehicle and stop when they see me held captive. You motherfucker, my dad yells. Let her, he stays alive. The huge man holding me roars. I turn to see another man I don't know bleeding on the ground in pain. The man holding me doesn't finish the thought, but the look on my father's face says he gets it. I want to scream, but I'm so scared I can barely breathe. The big man pulls me back into the elevator. His hand kicks out and hits the closed door button. The panic surges inside of me as the doors slide shut, and then we're alone. I stare at the reflection in the mirrored door, me in the arms of this absolute monster of a man. He's like almost two feet taller than my five foot three, and all muscles, all bulging shoulders and arms, big chest and powerful looking hands. Please, I choke in terror. Please don't hurt. What's your name, Sonishka? He murmurs. He reaches over and pushes the button up to my dad's penthouse. I'm not going to hurt you, he says quietly when I can't respond. His arms stay wrapped tight around me, but the gun is dropped away. What's your name? Talia, I gasp. Please, please don't hurt. I'm not going to hurt you, Talia, the man grunts. He turns and slowly gets to his knee in front of me. He tucks the gun behind him and looks into my eyes. He takes my hands in a strangely touching and comforting way. His blue eyes look up into mine, piercing right into me as he holds my hands firmly but gently. I'm never going to hurt you. It's almost tender. No, it is tender, which is confusing. So is the way he looks at me with a protective glint in his eyes. Like he's not my kidnapper, but my savior. Like he's the knight I've been waiting for, even if he rides under a black banner. Who are you? I whisper as the elevator rises. He looks away. This will all be over soon, I promise. The doors to the penthouse open. He pulls me in after him, but gently. You have the code, I assume. I bite my lip. What code? Please don't play dumb with me, Sonishka. He growls quietly. I swallow, then I nod. Yeah, I, I have it. I need you to lock this place down. I shiver. I know what that means. This penthouse is a fortress, an almost literal fortress. 
With the business my father does and the enemies he's made, it's like the whole place is a panic room. Bulletproof and blastproof windows, steel doors, a self-contained electrical and air system. There's even massive bars like a cage that slide over the open-air terrace. And my captor wants me to lock us in here. Alone. Just him and I, in an impenetrable tower. The shiver in my spine, though, is excitement, not fear. Or, it's both, but that should concern me a lot more than it does. Do it. I swallow as I turn to the keypad on the wall. I punch in the code, and then tremble as the mechanical locks slide into place. It's the sound of the doors sealing, the windows hardening, the bars over the outdoor terrace sliding up. With a final click and a hiss, it's done. We're locked in here together. It's Roman. I shiver as I turn, chewing on my lip. You asked me who I was. He moves closer to me. I gasp when his hand reaches for me, but even if it's so huge like he could cover my whole face with it, he's gentle. He cups my face, tilting my eyes up to his as my pulse races. My name is Roman, Talia. Chapter 3 Roman This is a mistake. Not coming here, not trusting the intel that the security would be light. I mean locking myself in an impenetrable fortress with her. She does something to me. She makes a war in me of lust versus duty. I've spent my life serving the Kashenko Bratva, from when I was a boy to the forty-year-old man I am now. The ink, scars, and demons on my skin and in my heart will attest to that. Never once have I strayed from duty or backed down from a fight that needed fighting. But she makes me want to stray from that hard walk. A lot. The soft skin, the gorgeous blue eyes, that silky blonde hair that simultaneously makes me want to grip it in a fist and tug hard, and also to wash it gently with my hands. She trembles as I sit her in a chair by the window. The tasseled pull ties from some of the elegant window treatments rip under my yank, and I use those to start to tie her wrists to the armrests. I don't want to tie her up. Well, not in this context. But I have to. Lust versus duty rages in my head. Please don't. I already told you, Talia. Fuck. Her name from my lips. I imagine myself growling it as she moans for me. I replay it as a groan as I feel her slide down every inch of my thick... I grunt and clear my head. I need to get my head in the game because this whole situation is fucked. Geo is still alive. I'm trapped with his fucking daughter as my hostage. But he's got Victor, my friend, my fellow captain, but more importantly, and unknown to anyone but a few in the upper command of the Kashenko Bratva, most likely our next king. The Kashenko family is based in Moscow, but the leadership is aging. Their hold over there is slipping. Currently, the real power and might of the family lies here in Chicago, under the guidance of Ivan Kashenko, who leads things in Chicago. But he wants out. He's older, his wife is having some health problems, and he's ready to pass on the crown. Word has it, that crown will go to Victor. He might not be Kashenko by blood, but Viktor Komarov has bled for this organization. On top of that, he has the charisma and the will to lead. I've also bled for this family, but I don't have those other things. 
I have no desire to lead. I'm no Caesar as he is. But now our future king is bleeding out and in the enemy's hands, while I'm locked up here. And the one bargaining chip I have, I'm not so sure I'd be able to let go of. Please, she whispers, shaking. Please don't hurt. I told you, Talia. I growl again, my eyes level with her, trying my best to look, well, not like me. Not like the beast of a man who's probably terrifying her. I'm not going to hurt you, but unfortunately you're in the middle of... I frown. Who knows what a man like Gio has even told his daughter. The middle of my father's mafia mess, you mean? She says thinly. I arch a brow. I guess that would mean she does know. I'm sorry, I growl, for what it's worth. She nods and looks down, looking quiet and withdrawn. It makes me scowl to see the light go out in those eyes, and it makes me hate Gio even more for being the cause of it. It makes me hate myself for the same reason. I gently cup her cheek and raise her eyes to mine. This will be okay, I promise. Your father has my friend. You were here to kill him, weren't you? My jaw clenches. My dad, I mean. I look away. You don't have to say it out loud. I know it's true. It's complicated, I grunt. No, it isn't. Her mouth thins. He's a bad man who does bad things. So am I, I say quietly. Then how come you don't seem bad? I frown. I've kidnapped you at gunpoint, made you a hostage, brought you to a locked penthouse, and tied you to a chair. She swallows. I... never mind, she says quickly. What? It's dumb. My mouth curls. I doubt that. She blushes and chews on her lip. I get a feel for people when I'm around them, like, not something stupid like auras or whatever, just a feeling. And what do you feel about me? I murmur thickly, my pulse thudding. That you're not a bad man. She's wrong. I'm a demon. I stiffen as I get to my feet and turn away, my jaw clenched. I'd recalibrate your feelings meter, princess, because you're wrong about me. You're... I'm a nightmare of a man. I snarl, glancing back at her. I need her to know that. I need her to be scared of me, or else there's no way I'll be able to keep myself from her. The quicker you learn that, the safer you'll be until this is all over. I ignore the heart-wrenching beauty in her face. I tear myself away from the captivating way she looks at me and opens her mouth like there's more she wants to say. Instead, I turn and I stalk down the hall to check the perimeters. And to get myself away from her before I break. Chapter 4 Roman I stalk through the penthouse, my thoughts swirling. None of this is how this was supposed to go down. Not the bungled hit, not Victor being shot, and not taking Gio's daughter. I groan. Fuck me. I didn't even know the motherfucker had a daughter. Great fucking intel. I push open a door and find myself in what must be Gio's office. I move to the window and glance down. I can see movement down below, but there's no way to tell what's going on. I grunt as I drop my forehead to the glass. 
I have to keep her out of my mind. I have to let this instant obsession go. The goal here is to get out of here alive, but more important, the goal is to get Victor out alive. He's the future. He'll be the king at the throne of the Kashenko Bratva, and soon. That's what this mission is now. It's not about the temptation sitting in the other room, tied to a chair. My prisoner, my hostage, my weakness, apparently. I shake my head. What am I thinking? She's, what, 18, 19, maybe? I'm 40. I'm more than twice her age and a killer for the Bratva, scarred inside and out. I'm rough to her smooth innocence, a beast to her beauty. I roll my eyes at myself. I have to let this go. I might be able to get her out of my head or stop thinking of how her lips would taste, but she sees me as the monster I know I am, the huge hulking Goliath who just took her at gunpoint and tied her to a fucking chair. I turn away from the window, but my eyes land on the laptop sitting on Gio's desk. It's closed, but there's a pen sticking out from where the screen is folded to the keyboard, keeping it from closing entirely. When I open it, I stiffen. The pen has stopped the laptop from going to sleep and locking. When I open it, it's just open, no password screen or anything. I smile thinly. Well, this is interesting. I sit in his chair and bring up the first window. It's an email correspondence of some kind. I'm about to skip it and hunt for something juicier the Kachenko family could use, but then I realize what I'm reading. My jaw tightens as a rage surges in me. It's about Talia. The chain of emails is a correspondence between Gio and Alfredo Amato, a Chicago-based mafia wannabe. But it's about Alfredo's son, Chris. I snarl when I read what's happening. Motherfucker! I hiss into the darkness of the office. Gio is marrying Talia to Fredo's shithead son, Chris, for a price. For a business agreement. His own goddamn daughter. I'm so angry I almost throw the laptop or slam it shut, but I stop myself, keeping it open so it doesn't lock. I read more. Apparently there's been a hiccup in the plan. Alfredo having second thoughts about the deal or something. But still... Pure rage and hatred surge inside of me. I see storm clouds as I thunder back to the living area. My eyes fall on her, and my heart twists. I made her a prisoner, and I bet that she's been one her whole life. She trembles when she sees how intense I am as I move towards her. I reach for her, and she gasps, but I grab the ties binding her, yank them undone, and rip them away from her. No. I growl, shaking my head. You've been captive longer than I can imagine, haven't you? With a father like Gio, willing to sell his only kid into marriage for a business arrangement, I know I'm right. Talia bites her lip and looks down. Your father, I shake my head. He was really going to make you marry? Yes, she whispers. She starts to sniff back tears, the need to comfort her is almost overwhelming. Fuck, Talia. I move closer to her, pulling her into me as I cup her cheek. She looks up at me with so much innocence and so much sadness. I'm no knight in shining armor. I'm not a hero by a goddamn bloody mile. But I've never been looked at like this by someone like her, looking so much like the damsel in distress. 
Something shatters in me, breaks, snaps, rewires. I don't think. I can't, not with her so close to me like this. So I don't, and I just act instead. My hand cups her cheek, and I start to lean down. She doesn't turn. She doesn't pale or stiffen. She moves into me. Her hand falls to my chest, gripping my shirt. I growl as I lean down, and suddenly my lips crush to hers, and I'm kissing her deeply. She whimpers, and it's the most alluring, beautiful sound I've ever heard. In a world and a life of pain and darkness, I may have just found the light. Chapter 5 Talia his lips sear to mine, and everything explodes. It's like fireworks. It's the world shifting on its axis. It's my very first kiss, and it's better than anything I could have ever dreamed up. It's like breathing or tasting sugar for the first time. It's breaking out and letting go. It's freedom. Roman scoops me into his arms, and I gasp as my legs wrap around him. He's so big and huge and muscled that it's like holding on to a massive tree. But I cling to him, kissing him deeply. He's so gorgeous in a dark, scarred way. But I know those scars. With me, they're on the inside. He keeps kissing me as he strides across the floor and pushes me onto the couch. I moan as he drapes me back across it and his hands find the front of my blouse. I could stop him. Well, no, I couldn't, but I don't want to either. I've been locked in a tower my whole life, and this man is breaking me out of it for the very first time. His fingers twist as he kisses me, popping a button on my blouse. I whimper, and he reaches for a second. My pulse hammers in my chest and my ears as I open my mouth for him. I can't stop, Talia, he growls. If you ask me to... I can try. And if I don't, I breathe, trembling against him as he opens another button. Don't, and we'll find out together. I moan as my mouth sears to his again. His hands work open the rest of my buttons, practically tearing the last two off, before he yanks the garment off of me. My bra follows quickly. I shiver, my nipples puckering as I find myself in this position for the first time. I've never been like this, so naked with a guy before, a man like him. But when his eyes sweep down over me, all I can see is adoration in his eyes, like I'm a present he's barely been able to stop himself from opening before Christmas. And now that he's seeing me, it's pure joy. He groans as he leans down to kiss me softly. You're fucking beautiful, Talia, he growls thickly. He pulls back and suddenly reaches for his shirt. He peels it off his muscled, tattooed body, and my eyes bulge. Holy crap. He's freaking gorgeous, like one of those Australian firefighters in those calendars they sell online. He's older, but he's in ridiculous shape, all pure muscle and brawn covered in tattoos. And it's so freaking hot. Heat throbs between my legs. My nipples harden to pink points as my core tightens with desire. Roman's mouth finds mine again, kissing me deeply before suddenly I tense. He frowns as he pulls back, but I blush and look away. I, I mean, 
His hand cups my cheek and I raise my eyes to his. I've never done this before, I whisper. Any of this. His brow furrows. If you don't want to. No, I blurt, blushing. No, I mean, yes, I want to. I just, I don't know if, I groan. I don't want to disappoint you. I gasp as his mouth sears to mine, slowly and then more fiercely, until I'm whispering into his lips. You could never disappoint me. He groans. Ever. He starts to move. He lowers his lips to my jaw and then my neck. I gasp, running my hands over his gorgeous body and warm skin as he moves lower. He looks up into my eyes as his lips trail down the slope of my tits until they fasten around a nipple. I cry out, arching my back as he sucks. His hands slip down my rubs, running over my stomach and my hips before he finds the zipper to my skirt. He tugs it down, and I whimper as he starts to peel my skirt off. When that's off, he pulls back and reaches for my panties. I blush, but I lift my ass for him. I throb with heat as he slips the thin lace down my legs, bearing all of me to his eyes. When he's plucked my panties from my feet, his hand slides slowly up my legs. He grips my thighs, making me tremble. Roman starts to pull, opening them, but I blush deeply as I squeeze them shut. Roman just shakes his head. His grip tightens, and I gasp as I find myself letting him pull them open. No, no, Sonishka. He groans. This is for me. This is for my eyes, and my eyes only. No one else. He leans into me, kissing me deeply and taking my breath away. Then he drops his mouth to my neck, then down between my tits, moving to the left and then right to lick at my nipples as I squirm. He kisses down my stomach, feeling it cave under his touch. His big hands skim up my thighs, pushing them wide apart as I moan for him, eagerly, desperately, wanting this. This is all mine, Sonishka, he growls. Suddenly, his mouth presses to me, covering my pussy, and my eyes roll back in pure ecstasy. Oh my god. His tongue drags wetly and slowly through my slit, making me gasp in pleasure. He bumps it over my throbbing clit, making me whimper eagerly. His mouth bears down on me, humming into me as his tongue works magic over my clit. I've touched myself before, but it's always something that's taken forever to get anywhere. With Roman, I'm rapidly approaching the point of no return, and he's barely just started to touch me with his tongue. I cry out as he plunges that tongue into me. He drives it in and out, fucking me with his mouth before he slips higher. His lips wrap around my clit, and I whimper as the thick finger slips into my tight pussy. He rubs it in and out, pushing against a spot just inside that makes my toes curl. His tongue swirls circles over my clit, and suddenly I can't hold back any longer. I cry out, arching my back as I scream my release to the vaulted ceiling. I shudder, writhing and shamelessly pushing my hips to his mouth as I come so hard against him. Roman groans, languidly licking me as I gasp for air. He slowly pulls back and then moves up my body. His lips press to mine, and I whimper as I kiss him back, eagerly. I can taste myself on him, 
but it seems to ignite me even hotter. Shit. He pulls away sharply. My brow furrows when I see the pain and worry on his face. Roman? Talia, I... He groans, and I realize how pale he is. His eyes start to roll back. Roman! I blurt anxiously. Oh, fuck. Suddenly he goes white and tumbles to the side, slamming into the ground. Roman! I scream as I lunge off the sofa and slip my arms under him, cradling his head. That's when I see the blood covering his back and seeping across the floor. Welcome back. Hi. All right. That was it. Get I want out. to make a note that uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fall uh, or the winter groom should be live at this point. If you guys oh, are waiting yes. for the last I'm so book. Glad you said that. I forgot. <laughs> so if you're waiting for the brother's book with the girl at the bar, with the father, mm-hmm. you, if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. You know what we're saying. <laughs> Go get the winter groom. Yes. <laughs> All right, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.